Hello, father. Hello, daughter. How are you? I have a terrible fake British accent. Otherwise, I'm doing just dandy. Dandy? You do have a horrible British accent. Goodness. Are you ready to know everything? Let's go. Okay. Today, I am going to teach you the art of making something out of nothing. Whoa, this has gotten deep already. What is it? Well, it's just something that you can do anytime, anywhere. And it's pretty darn fun. All right. I will get nothing. I've got it. Now, how do I make something out of it? Let's see. Since we're sitting in your office right now, let's look at... Let's just look at the floor. Got it. I see it. It's a wood floor. No carpeting. It's got some books on it. Looks like a hacky sack and a fly swatter nearby. Yes. This is pretty much like nothing, but you can make anything into a game, including the floor. Let's start with this. You have 20 seconds to list everything brown on the floor. Ready, set, go! That piece of cardboard! That cup! Yes, that, that little thingy, that thingy! The banker's box file folder holder, the bookshelf, the inside of the hardcover book, after you see the book jacket slipped off. That's brown underneath. The lamp, that book, that... There's a pencil, uh, too. Uh, oh, yes. battery... Buzz. Okay, the time was up. But that was pretty fun, wasn't it? That was cool. It made it exciting. I felt on the spot all of a sudden. It was like I was juggling, even though I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, and you can make that even more challenging. You can go from 20 seconds to 15 seconds to 10 seconds to... Five seconds? You could try to set a record. I could imagine trying to act out one of the many things that are on the floor and someone has to guess just by hand gestures. Exactly. Look at all these fun games that we're coming up with. Literally just by looking at the floor. Anything could be inspiring if you put a constraint on it. If you put a little challenge to it, then it becomes exciting. Yes. If you're bored and you're in your room, you're like, I don't want to play with my silly potty or my jackrabbit or my 5,000 Legos. I don't want to do that. Then just get a tennis ball and you can do all kinds of things with that tennis ball. You can see how many times you can bounce the ball. You could do five push-ups and then have to catch the ball each time you throw it up. I think you could even make a game where you see how many words you can make out of the letters in tennis ball. I think label yeah. is in there. I think snit is in there. Snit, yeah. You could think of all sorts of games and tricks and designs just out of nothing. Or, in this case, just out of a tennis ball. So, something out of nothing, as long as you bring your own brain? Yeah. As I like to put it, something out of nothing can be everything. Ready for today's poem? I'd love to hear it. What is it? It's called Nantucket by William Carlos Williams. Nantucket. Flowers through the window, lavender and yellow. 
changed by white curtains. Smell of cleanliness. Sunshine of late afternoon. On the glass tray. A glass pitcher. The tumbler. Turned down. By which a key is lying. And the immaculate white bed. So relaxing sounding. So enticing. Both cool and warm. And maybe a glass of lemonade in there, too. Do you want to read it? I'd love to. Nantucket by William Carlos Williams. Flowers through the window, lavender and yellow, changed by white curtains, smell of cleanliness, sunshine of late afternoon, on the glass tray, a glass pitcher, the tumbler turned down, by which a key is lying and the immaculate white bed. So that is only 10 lines. It's maybe two or three sentences long. And it's got so much you can picture and feel. Where do you think this takes place? What do you picture? Yeah, I think this poem has a kind of beautiful simpleness to it. And that's hard. I feel like he probably had to write hundreds and hundreds of words hundreds and hundreds of lines, and kind of cross everything out. So just the perfect picture remained. Yeah, of a summer's day in the heat, maybe on a lawn chair. Yeah. I know Nantucket is kind of a resort town. I feel like someone's going there on their summer vacation. They've got their hotel room. The key to the room is on the table. There's refreshment, maybe lemonade, as you said. There's the curtains. It's totally clean. There's the flowers through the window, and it's just inviting and relaxing. Yeah, a good writer or a poet makes you be there. Is that the kind of hotel you'd want to go to, or is there something you would add to this to make it more attractive to you? Actually, I'd like a hotel where it was winter, and then there'd be a hot chocolate machine, and then there'd also be a bowling alley, and then there'd also be a hot tub. I would go so far to say the hotel would be made of chocolate, but... Couldn't hurt. Yeah. Mm. Last thing in the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? We got a great vexing question from our listener named Jason, who asks, These days... We often turn to the internet first for research. How do you know what is credible when reading things on the internet? So if you use the internet to look things up, how do you know if what you read is really true? Mm, Good point. I'll do some research, I'll use a lot of brain power, and I'll get back to you. when dad and I actually talk through together. Yeah. I thought it was pretty important for a parent and a kid to talk through what you can believe and what you can't on the internet. And probably kids should talk to their parents too, because you guys are actually the first generation that's getting educated about this at school. We weren't. Fair enough. Figuring out who and what to trust online is pretty hard. The number one thing to ask is, who's behind all this information? Is it someone who works at a school or university? If so, 
great. That's their job, to educate people. Just make sure they're writing about their area of expertise. A mathematician writing about British history may or may not be more knowledgeable than your neighbor. Is it someone who works in a shop, store, or other company? If so, you should probably be a little bit more suspicious. They may be trying to sell you something. Are they a professional expert like an engineer or inventor? If so, again, great. Just make sure that they share the specific reasoning or experiences behind what they say, so you can verify that it makes sense or works for yourself. Lots of times we get information from groups of people. They might be reporters at the newspaper. They may be writers or researchers at a science website. They may be anonymous contributors to an online encyclopedia like Wikipedia. Again, you should try to look up what is this person's or group's expertise about this topic. Are they trying to sell me something? Do the reasons make sense in a way I can test myself? The last thing is try to get multiple independent sources for the information you gather. Try to combine what they say and see if they agree or if there are conflicts. Do the best you can to present what you find in your own words, with your own reasons woven in, and tell your readers or listeners what you do and don't know, so they, in turn, can trust you. You must know everything. Was produced by me, Rossa Smith, and him, Jeremy Smith, and the amazing music was by Furniture. Please rate, review, and share the show, and please tune in next time for everything you need to know.